Happy New Year and welcome to Mikes and Movies, the podcast that invites you to sit back, relax, and allow yourself to feel like you're sitting around talking about movies with your friends. I'm your host, Alex Haina, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Deshaun Corbin. Greetings and salutations. Greetings and salutations. How was your Christmas, Deshaun? Uh, it was actually pretty boring. I don't do much on Christmas. You know, I just relax. How, how was yours? Yeah, kind of the same thing. I mean, it was, did it a little differently this year, but it was, I mean, we just kind of sat around, did nothing. It's kind of the way I like it, though. Yeah. New Year's, too. I didn't do anything. Oh, I was asleep before midnight on New Year's. Wow. Yeah, I don't really care about New Year's. Never did. Anyway, more important things. This is our monthly movie recap where we discuss all of the big goings on from the month prior, as well as everything we're looking forward to in the coming month. So without further ado, let's begin. Um, Not a ton of big movie news typically comes out in December. So there's really not a whole lot for us to talk about news wise. Uh, and I mean, unless you have something unexpected like Betty White dying. I don't know. Right. Were you a, were you a Betty White fan, Deshaun? Yeah, I love Golden Girls. I have all, every season. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say I'm not a fan of Betty White, because if you're not a fan of Betty White, then you're the devil. Yeah, there's no way you can't be a fan of Betty White. She was just a glowing star like there's she just radiated happiness and goodness. But I, I'd be lying if I said I really watched anything she was in. I mean, I've seen Golden Girls, probably a total of 10 episodes of it. And I've seen a couple of movies she's been in. And I've seen maybe five episodes of Hot in Cleveland. But <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Betty White. Like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, I miss Betty White. She was the greatest. But since you were a Golden Girls fan, are you how do you feel about Betty White's passing? Are you saddened? Or do you feel like, yeah, she was 99. She lived a full life. How do you feel? So I'm sad that she didn't make it to 100 because that was like they, it was like people, two weeks away. Yeah. People magazine put out an article of I mean, like a whole spread. She was the cover photo. Betty White's turning 100. I was like, all right, you jinxed it. Number one. But right. I, I wanted her to make it to 100. Back in 2011, I and other, let's say, Golden Girls fans thought Betty White was going to die that year because all her cast members from the Golden Girls, her um, co-stars. They all died in consecutive years. Really? Yeah. They are there. She died, I think, 2009. Then uh, Rue McCallaghan died in uh, 2010. And then Estelle Getty, she died in um, 2011. So, no, 2008. So, yeah. So, everyone thought in 2011, Betty White would be next. Because what are the odds that all three of them died in consecutive years? She obviously didn't. She made it a lot longer than that. But I'm definitely going to miss everything she did. She was a great, great beacon in history. Really, so. I like how you. I like how you said. What are the odds that the other three Golden Girls would die in consecutive years, yeah. but then Betty White wouldn't? As if it's like somebody is taking out the Golden <laughs> Girls <laughs> like one by one. It's like, well, she's next. She has um, to be. There's no other like way. Like ten years, Betty White's just been surviving them. She's been dodging this assassin. Well, R.I.P. Betty White. Uh, we'll just take it easy today, I guess. Um, not a lot of big movie news happened the pa- in the past month. Obviously, newsworthy things happen, but nothing that, I don't know, nothing that we really deem worth discussing on a podcast that currently only happens once a month. So we kind of have to be picky. Not so, we're not, so we're not sitting here talking about news stories for an hour and a half. And uh, we'll start off by talking about the box office for Spider-Man No Way Home. So right now it currently sits at 1.53 billion dollars worldwide. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. So 1.5 billion in 3 weeks. Incredible. Without wow. China. So without China. Now what do you think it would be at if it had if China was well, Last I checked, I think Far From Home made like 190 at China, 190 million at China. So I would say at least another 80 million to 100 million, maybe, if it came out in China. All time, so, sorry, it's top 10. So, I mean, I know it's it's the eighth, eighth highest grossing worldwide and sixth highest domestically. Same. Did you know that seven out of the 10 uh, top oh, grossing movies of all time are Disney properties? Yeah. Yes, I did. Do you know how many of the so there's 49 movies that have made a billion dollars in all of cinematic history. 
do you know how many of those are comic book movies? Oh, all right. Let's say there's 49. Let's say 25. It's actually less. Less than 25. I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay. What is it? 14. 14. Yeah. That's wow. I mean it's surprising to me too, but I mean when you look at what they are, it makes sense. Now, of all of those 49 movies, do you know how many of them are original ideas? So not not a sequel, not a remake, not part of any established franchise, and not based on a book or anything like that. Not part of a franchise and not based on a book? Oof. Correct. Not a sequel, not a remake, purely original one-shot ideas. Uh, say Avatar, Titanic, and is that not it? <laughs> what else is there? There's two more. Wait, so Zootopia, that's definitely... Yep, Zootopia is one of them. Did um inside that inside me make a a billion? You mean inside out? Inside out. That's <laughs> that's that's the radar version of that one. Coming soon. Inside me. <laughs> I failed it myself. I'm still waiting for Disney to you know get back to me. No, um, no. inside out. <laughs> no, no. Think of what Frozen. the. Yep, you got it. You got it. Frozen. All right. Um, moving on. So last month we talked about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone turning 20 years old in November. This month we're going to talk about what is, in my opinion, an even more important movie turning 20 years old in December. So Harry Potter and like the Wizarding World, they're, they're my childhood. I know it inside and out. And if you were to ask me which universe I would want to live in, it would be the Harry Potter universe. But... Just as formative for me as a film fan as that was, and probably even more so, would be the Lord of the Rings movies. And last month, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, turned 20 years old. Deshaun, are you a Lord of the Rings fan? I like it. I'm not a big, big fan. I'm definitely not as big a fan as you are. I never really got into Lord of the Rings. Well, I wasn't immediately taken by Lord of the Rings like I was with Harry Potter when I was a kid. I mean, granted, Harry Potter was geared more towards kids, but I didn't really have any interest in seeing Fellowship of the Ring in theaters. Like mm -hmm. it just it just looked boring to me. And a friend of mine went to see it in theaters, and I don't remember if he said he fell asleep or if he left early, but he didn't see the whole thing because he was just bored. So I was just like, eh, all right, no interest. But it wasn't until a different friend got the DVD and showed me the movie that I started getting into it. But I do remember watching that movie in his basement and being instantly hooked and extremely anxious to see the next one. When, when did you first see the fellowship of the ring? Were you young? Was it, were you older? How old were you? Uh, seven. Damn. I would have been bored out of my mind as a seven year old. No, I, 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 like, I thought it was nice. Like I didn't fall asleep right there. I was surprised. Wow. Three hour movie. I attribute a very, very large part of my love for film to the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, they truly just captured my imagination in a way that nothing ever did, and to this day, nothing ever has. They are, in my opinion, they are a true marvel of motion picture mastery. Such an overwhelming accomplishment. It's, it's hard to put into words just how brilliantly made these movies are from every single aspect of filmmaking. And if there was any doubt about that while watching the movies, all you have to do is look to the hours and hours of making of documentaries that they made to go along with the extended editions. Those are actually the true reason I have such a love for filmmaking is because I used to watch those. I think I've seen those more than the actual movies. I just love watching them over and over. And I've spoken about it before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. Anyone and everyone who has seen Lord of the Rings or has any inkling of an appreciation for film should absolutely go and watch those making ofs for Lord of the Rings. You will absolutely positively not regret it. They are incredible. Anyway, um, that's enough about Lord of the Rings. I could talk all day about Lord of the Rings, but uh, nobody wants to hear that. So let's talk about some movies we saw in December, shall we? We'll start off, we'll go by, I guess, release date. So I'll start off by talking a little bit about West Side Story. I said last month when we were talking about movies we were looking forward to, I had already seen it at that point. And I said that this movie showed why Steven Spielberg is Steven Spielberg. Right. So here's why I said that. When this movie was announced, 
I I had my doubts because I didn't want to see Steven Spielberg do a remake. I wanted well, I wanted to see him do something more Spielbergian, like Indiana Jones Five, something something that feels inherently Spielberg. West Side Story didn't. It felt like why why is he doing a remake of something that already won like 10 Oscars and it's a musical. I don't know. It just didn't, something didn't seem right about it. It didn't seem like something he should do. And Spielberg is my all time favorite director. So I go into a Spielberg movie with really high expectations. And lately, while he hasn't necessarily made a bad movie, although the BFG comes close. Yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't say that's a bad movie, but it's it's at the bottom of the barrel for him. He, I mean, he hasn't really been hitting it out of the park like he used to. Like even Ready Player One was good, but I to me it wasn't great. So I had no interest in seeing him do this movie, and I was disappointed that I had to get through this movie before seeing what he would do next. But having seen it, I was wrong for doubting the God of filmmaking. That's why I say that this movie shows why Steven Spielberg is Steven Spielberg because Steven Spielberg can do anything he wants in any genre and he can do it well. And I shouldn't have doubted him. This movie is masterfully directed like the blocking, the choreography, the kineticism, like right from the opening tracking shot, you feel this is a Steven Spielberg picture. Every performance is electric and lights up the screen, specifically Ariana DeBose. She was incredible in this movie, and she better get nominated for Supporting Actress because she's my pick to win. So if she doesn't even get nominated, that would be a a snub, in my opinion. Ansel Elgort as the lead was... He was good. I mean, he felt a little flat at points, and he was definitely the weak point of the cast, but even still... He made me feel for his character in the big, like, emotional moments. And he's an extremely talented singer. So, I mean, he, he did a good enough job. Uh, the movie is over two and a half hours long, and it feels that way at times. But once the pace picks back up, like, it'll slow down at points. But once it picks back up, you're right back into it. And one of my favorite scenes I saw in theaters all year is in this movie. And it's the, the, well, you haven't seen it, but it's the, I like to be in America scene. <laughs> it's such, it's such a fun electric scene. And when you see it, you'll, I know you'll agree with me. Everybody, I'm sure everybody that's seen that has seen this movie is going to come away saying that that was the best scene in the movie. So yeah, this is Spielberg's first ever musical, which just further proves that he can literally do absolutely any genre he wants and do it masterfully. So overall, I would give West Side Story an 8.6. All right, moving on to Spider-Man No Way Home. So we talked we talked all about this in our last episode, which is basically a 45-minute open spoiler conversation about the movie. So if you've seen the movie, go ahead and check that out. But for now, we'll give our non-spoiler thoughts here. So Deshaun, you want to go first? Yes. I'm tired of talking, so you go first. <laughs> all right. So, Spider-Man No Way Home. We saw this together. I don't know how many t- how many times did you see it? Just twice. Just twice. Me too. So, what I can say is, overall, I thought Spider-Man No Way Home easily the best out of the Marvel trilogy. Not not the best Spider-Man movie to me. Still, I probably still have a third. I still need to see it. I want to see it at least two more times. But I have a third still behind Spider-Man Two and Into the Spider-Verse. I can't decide if I like this or Into the Spider-Verse more, but Spider-Man 2 is still is still top dog for me. It's just so perfect to me. I think that is a perfect film, in my opinion. But like I said, best out of the Marvel trilogy. So Yeah. Um, so after seeing it a second time, the flaws definitely do stand out to me. I don't know how you feel, like if you saw any of the flaws or if you just didn't care. No, I see. Don't care. (laughs) Don't care. Right. So I I said it in our last episode. Seeing a movie like this for the first time is more of like a thrill ride than anything else, which makes it difficult to judge it as a movie, which on one hand, should that matter? Like if you enjoyed the movie, you enjoyed the movie. So that's what you thought of it. You saw the movie. You took it in as what it was. This was your experience. So did you like it or did you not like it? You don't have to 
criticize it and 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 nitpick it and you know break it break it down by how was the script and how was the acting and how was the this and how was that you saw the movie you enjoyed it but on the other hand i feel like being able to recognize flaws in things you love is healthy and blindly saying a movie is incredible and perfect when it's not is disingenuous and i don't want to be disingenuous you're a good man So what I'll say is there are some severe plot and logic issues with this movie. Um, None of them can be explicitly mentioned without significant spoilers, unfortunately. But I'll just say characters do things that make very little sense if you take more than 10 seconds to think about it. And the entire conflict of the movie could have been avoided in a myriad of ways. (laughs) Yeah. Do you agree with those two things? Yes, on both points. I will say uh, for the first point, they the characters, they do things that I won't say they act out of character, though. Like, would you say that like, some do, I would say. OK, with all of that being said, though, the movie accomplishes what it's set out to do in spades. And I love it for that. Like the fun ride that it takes us on, it outweighs all the problems along the way. So I can forgive all of it. Well, I wouldn't say all of it, a lot of it. The fan service aspects of the movie absolutely feel like fan service, but the way they made it integral to the story and Peter's Peter Parker's arc was honestly was brilliant. So it doesn't feel throwaway. Like the fan service stuff doesn't feel throwaway. Like, oh, here's some fan service. Like, no, it, it feels like it needed to be there. It feels like those moments absolutely were important. Yeah. There's like there's levels to fan service and all this fan service felt. Not that it was necessary, but like I, it never hindered the movie for me. I was never like rolling my eyes. Like, but had that aspect not been in the movie, I personally see myself enjoying the movie a lot less because they were my absolute favorite parts. If the the main fan service aspects of the movie weren't part of this movie, I don't know which direction they would have gone. But I personally feel like. I would have enjoyed the movie a lot less because that was the aspect of the movie that just made me feel like I'm on an amusement park ride. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. And I can't, I couldn't picture Peter going through this arc in any other circumstance, if that makes sense. Right. Every, every single, not every single thing that needed to happen, but like at least the fan service, the main fan service needed to happen for this arc of wherever Peter's going to go next to right. even happen. So what would you overall what would you what would you rate Spider-Man No Way Home? I think I'm at a solid 8.7. I still want to see it at least two more times, but 8.7. We are very very close. I'm at an 8.75. Moving on to Nightmare Alley. All right, let me start off with a quick synopsis for Nightmare Alley. Um this is just taken directly from its IMDb page. An ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. I had no clue what I was walking into when I saw this movie. I saw one trailer one time months ago and then sort of forgot what the movie was about. Like, I knew there was a, a traveling freak show involved, but that's all I could remember. And I knew Bradley Cooper was in it and Willem Dafoe. But that's that's all I could remember. And then I started hearing like really great things about it and it's Guillermo del Toro. So I was anxious to see it. And then watching the movie, I still had no clue what I was watching. I was definitely enjoying the atmosphere of the film and the, the premise that I thought was being set up for like the first 20 to 30 minutes. Like I was, I was hooked for the first 20 to 30 minutes by both the tone and the characters, but by the 40 minute mark, I don't know. I didn't look at the time, but I'm just, judging based on what it felt like but by so by the 40 minute mark i started to realize that i have no idea what this movie is about it was very unclear to me what the goal of the main character stan played brilliantly by bradley cooper what what his goal was like i had no clue what the purpose of the story was his character and rooney mara's characters evidently fall in love And before they do, they share a total of two scenes together. So we're just supposed to be like, okay, well, they've met each other twice and now they're in love, I guess. It's just kind of a a leap you have to take. And then there's a time jump in the movie. And once the time jump happens, the purpose of the story sort of becomes clear. And I could kind of tell where the movie was going. 
but it made the first part of the movie feel mostly inconsequential not entirely inconsequential but mostly having said all of that once everything did come together i realized it was very much a full circle story and that we did need the first part of the story to give context and crucial character development the cast is phenomenal the fact that bradley cooper shines in this movie with kate blanchett rich richard jenkins and willem dafoe is no small feat on his part the movie is two and a half hours long and it very easily could have and probably should have been cut down a good 15 to 20 minutes because it it did feel the pacing was just weird to me a sign of a not a bad movie but a sign of a movie that is just dragging or is too long or has poor pacing to me is when i feel the need to look at my time usually i don't look at the time when i'm in a movie but if i feel the need to like how far along in this movie are we tells me that the pacing is just bad and i did that twice in this movie so while the point of the story is unclear for a large portion of the film it becomes evident that that is the point and we're supposed to be uncertain about what's going on and uneasy about where it might be going. So overall, I would give Nightmare Alley a 7.8. All right, moving on to the last movie that we saw in December, which is Don't Look Up. And again, just a quick synopsis taken from IMDb. Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy Earth. My biggest draw to this movie was Leonardo DiCaprio. I will see anything he's in, regardless of who made it or what what it's about. So the fact that I wasn't a huge fan of Adam McKay's movies up to that point didn't matter. The fact that Jennifer Lawrence bothers me (laughs) didn't matter. And once the trailer came out and I saw that it wasn't a true story, unlike McKay's last two movies, The Big Short and Vice, that actually got me excited for the movie. And then I started hearing it wasn't good. And then I started hearing it was good. And then I was hearing it wasn't good. I was getting a lot of very mixed signals, all from people whose opinions I value. So I, was, I wasn't I was sure. But what did you think of it, Deshaun? Well, first I'll say I actually like Adam K's movies. Uh, I think he's... Most people do. Very, very talented. Um, and I, I, I love Vice. Um, I, I can't even tell you why I liked it so much, but I saw that twice and I really liked it. And don't look up. So... I thought it was going to be a Judgment Day, end of the world situation movie, which it is, but it feels like you take acid before that all happens. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I wouldn't know. I've never taken acid, so I don't know what it's like. It I get just, what you mean. Yeah, it, it, I, I actually liked it. And like, I never lost, so I never lost interest the whole time the movie was going. I was into it. DiCaprio, I liked. I, I like Jennifer Lawrence. Um, I haven't liked her recently. But um, I thought she was okay in this. I'll tell you, Jonah Hill annoyed me, but I guess that was his role. He was supposed to be that. Good casting choices. Overall, I liked it. I didn't. I don't think it was like great, or I don't think it's as good as it should have been with the cast involved. But for the type of movie it is, like comedy disaster movie, I thought it worked well. If you know Adam K, you know how satirical he can be, and his political commentary is always in his movies. Um, and I think yeah. this is as close as you could get to him, like just basically taking the horse to the water and saying, this is it without actually saying this is it, even though in some situations they do say this is it. I liked it. Um, it wasn't anything groundbreaking or even award worthy in my opinion, but it was entertaining. Yeah. The people that aren't enjoying it are typically criticizing it, like criticizing its overt nature. And the fact that the movie has absolutely zero subtlety in its commentary, which is fair. It's absolutely fair because it's true. But I personally didn't even I didn't care about the commentary. I just enjoyed it for what it was. Does that make me less intelligent? Probably. (laughs) I didn't really find much of the comedy of the movie to be funny. Really? Like you said, Jonah Hill's character was annoying, but he was also supposed to be funny. But the whole time I was just like, this, you're not funny. This isn't yeah, funny. No. Like, I think I laughed maybe twice in the whole movie. I said that I find Jennifer Lawrence. How did I? What did I say? That she bothers me? She bothers you. The reason I say that is because almost any time I've seen her in a movie, the one main exception being Silver Linings Playbook, 
I just feel like she's acting. Like, I feel like I'm watching somebody act. And I it takes me out of it. In this, it didn't feel that way either. She was actually pretty good. And she has one of the, the lines that made me laugh, which is the line where she's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand why. Yeah. Like, is it a power move? Like, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why did he charge me for the snacks when they're free? Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I was invested in the situation and the character's desire to fix it, which was enough for me to at least come away saying I enjoyed it. A great movie, it is not. But overall, I would give Don't Look Up a 7.6. What would you give it? 7.0. Well, that's all of the movies we saw in December, unfortunately. It's, it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of movies came out in December. But, I mean, I don't know about you. There were quite a few that I just wasn't interested in enough or they were just you know i just didn't have the time i really had no time but upcoming months upcoming year a lot of time speaking of which let's talk about some movies coming out in january and we'll start off with scream take it away Deshaun, because i know you are pumped for this movie all right so number one scream scream 1996 is my favorite horror movie of all time Scream is my second favorite horror movie franchise of all time. I love Scream. So Scream 2022 is made by the same people who made Here They Come. No, no. Uh, Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Thank you. It's made by the same people who made Ready or Not. And the fact that they pitched to Nev Campbell this idea, she was done with the role after Scream 4, which was, I think, in 2011. Yeah, 2011 was Scream 4. So she was done with the role. Uh, I'm pretty sure New Line Cinema was done with Scream. They pitched this brand new idea that was so good. And according to Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and everyone, it honored Wes Craven that they all signed on board and they felt that the franchise was in good hands with this new updated continuation of the original quadrilogy. I want to say it's not my most anticipated movie of the year, but I can't wait. So let me ask you. A question. Why are they calling it Scream instead of Scream 5? The same reason they called Halloween Halloween. You know, marketing reasons? Marketing reasons. That's stupid. And so I, I think if they would have called it Scream 5, like people would have been calling it 5 slash Cream. And I knew they were absolutely that. what it should have been. <laughs> 5 Cream. Yeah, that, but that's what they did with Scream 4. They put the four as the I, I don't I'm not a fan of numbers and letters being used. To Are you telling yeah. me you don't like Fant 4 stick? I don't like Fant 4 stick, oh. even though it's fantastic. What kind of fit? Wait, say that again. It's fantastic. It has to be the Halloween method, which worked for Halloween. No one was confused. No one was like, oh, is this a new retelling? No, it's a continuation. Same ladies, Jamie Lee Curtis, same lady here, Neff Campbell. Well, let me propose a hypothetical conversation to you. Oh, we should watch Scream. Oh, Scream with, you know, with, the, with Drew Barrymore. No, 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 no. The second Scream. Oh, Scream 2? No, 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 no. Scream. So, yeah, the first one. No, 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 no. The Scream, the second one. Scream 2. No. You see the confusion? The same thing with Halloween. All right, let's watch Halloween. Oh, from 1978? No, 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 no. The sequel. Oh, Halloween 2? No, 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 no. The sequel, you know, Halloween. Oh, the Rob Zombie one. No, 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 no. Halloween. That one. The second one. The second Halloween. Halloween 2. No. Oh, Halloween H2O? There's well, so that can be fixed with a single word. New. Let's watch the new screen. Let's watch the new Halloween. All right, that's fair. Props off. No, I just, I, just I, I, get, I get what you're saying, but like, there's a some very distinct things you can say that separate obviously 1978 Halloween from the new Halloween, and I think Scream's gonna be the same. All right. Well, I personally had almost zero interest in this movie. I didn't like Scream Four very much, and then when I saw the trailer for this one, it just seemed. No, it just, I wasn't interested. However, have you seen the reviews that have been coming out for it? I haven't clicked on it purposely, but I've seen some of the people that I like in the industry say things about it, like who I've seen already. And they're saying all the right things that I needed to hear. 
so then I, you obviously don't want to hear too many details about the reviews. So then I'll just say that the reviews that I'm seeing or hearing, they've shot my excitement level up to almost 100. They are glowing. Basically, every review for this movie is just praising it. The one thing that I did read uh, from someone I actually like a lot, uh, Perry Nemiroff, uh, she said mm -hmm. something about it being, number one, the best one since the first one, which you always love to hear. The thing that stuck out to me and is probably most important to most Scream fans, it honored Wes Craven and the story created by him and Kevin Williamson, and it pushed it to the next level, a gradual right next level, not anything forced. And that's all I heard. That's all I read. And that was enough for me. I mean, I was going to see if it grows, but. Yeah, um, that, that was one of the things I saw that made me go, ooh, all right. Especially since Perry Nemiroff is very much a horror aficionado. Yes. Like, she knows what she's talking about when it comes to yeah. horror movies. Yeah. And what, did you did you like Ready or Not? Oh, um, yeah, I did. I did like yeah. Ready or Not. Yeah, me too. I, it didn't make money for some reason, but I thought it was a great I mean, movie. Actually. I think it's pretty clear why it wasn't. I mean, there was no, not a famous director, no famous actors, not based on yeah. anything that we've ever seen before. I mean, it's, it. I wasn't expecting it to make money. Regardless, those guys making it and getting the cast to agree with it and to feel like it was authentic, that's all I need. Scream comes out January 14th this year. Moving on to the next movie that I personally am looking forward to in January. I don't know about you. A movie called Cyrano. Not yeah. really that interested. I mean, I'm not like super interested. It's not anywhere near my top most anticipated movies of this year. But I mean, if we're talking January movies, I mean, it's at the top of my list of January movies. It's with Peter Dinklage and it's a period musical. So I don't know. I like Peter Dinklage. I like musicals. I like period films. I have a feeling it's not going to be great. <laughs> just just a just an inkling the trailer itself was kind of lackluster and the fact that they're releasing it in january when this this type of movie should be an oscar kind of movie it just sends off all the wrong signals but i'm, I'm i'll still see it but i'm not rushing out to see it do you have any thoughts on it i like pair of pieces but the trailer it didn't sell me on anything i mean Good cast, though. I think uh, even Ben Mendelsohn's in there, right? Yeah, yeah, he's in it. Good cast, but I, I will have to see more. I'll probably see it, though. So Cyrano comes out January 28th. And then the last movie, which I actually only just saw the trailer for today. I had never heard of it. I'd never seen anything about it. So I really don't know anything about it. But it's a movie called Clean. I'm going to look up a synopsis real quick, um, but it's with Adrian Brody, um, who I haven't seen in a while. I don't know. I can't. Can you think of anything that Adrian Brody has been in in the past couple of years? Uh, other than Peaky Blinders? No. Oh, see, I don't watch that. So I didn't. I don't know. You should watch it. So here's the synopsis. Um, oh, that's interesting. Well, OK, hold on. First things first. Here's the synopsis. A tormented garbage man named Clean tries to live a quiet life of redemption, but when his good intentions make him the target of a local crime boss, he must soon reconcile with the violence of his past. So again, January movie, usually January movies aren't very good. However, we do live in unprecedented times where a lot of these movies are just being pushed back to open dates. So this very well may have been supposed to come out back in july for all i know i have no idea but it's it's a january movie so my hopes are not the highest but here's what i was saying is interesting uh adrian brody helped write the screenplay but it says music composed by adrian brody music really yeah i thought that was interesting all right so that's really all the january movies that we're looking forward to January is usually a slow month of movies so no surprise there so let's talk about some trailers that came out in December. So the first trailer we'll talk about is the Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore trailer. As has been well established on this podcast many times, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. However, I'm not a very big Fantastic Beasts fan. First movie was good. Second movie was not so much. However, I still thought that 
seeing a trailer for this would make me excited just because I'm simple. I'm basic minded where I'm like, ooh, Hogwarts magic. But the trailer didn't even really get me excited at all. I shouldn't say at all. Like, I'm intrigued by Mads Mikkelsen being the villain now. But other than that, I mean, nothing about the story or the characters or anything is really like grabbing me. I don't know. How do you feel? I will say I and I'm not, you know, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but I did small at on the ending part where he was just sitting down talking with the girls. And that reminded me of like the old Harry Potter stuff. Other than that, like I didn't see anything that made me say, oh, well, see this movie. It won't be like the second one. Actually, yeah, I but they still showed one. Hogwarts in the second one. Yeah. And I, I, I just even if I was more of a fan, which I'm not. I feel like the second one, like, how, how do you even come back from that? It was like, I can't think of any redeeming quality of it. Part of the problem is, as I said before, the director. They have the same director, David Yates, directing every single Harry Potter movie since Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix in 2007. Fast forward, we're now, what is that, 15 years later? And he's still directing every single Harry Potter movie that's been out? Or Wizarding World movie, I guess you should say? It's just yeah. getting tiresome. They all look the same. They all feel the same. There's no, you need something fresh. Yeah, every that, every movie that comes out feels like it's more void of color. Every movie gets more and more void of color. And like the magic has no personality. Like the actual spells, they just look white instead of having color. Like it's just, it just looks dull. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I was going to say. I didn't see anything like, not that I need it, but I didn't see anything like new. I didn't see anything that would make me say, this is the end of a trilogy. This is the uh, ideally what we have been building up to. It feels, it feels like it was just the same thing I've been seeing. Like it's a series instead of like a actual trilogy, you know? To be fair, it's not going to be a trilogy. It's going to be five movies. No. Yeah. Does she, and are these all based on the books or she's writing while she's like writing I, I, I don't know. She's writing them. They're not based on any books. She's writing them the screenplays as her own creation. The good news, I will say the good news on this one is she is not the sole screenwriter on this. The uh, screenwriter for the Harry Potter movies is named Steve Cloves. He is co-writing it with her. So I'm hoping, which was my biggest criticism of Crimes of Grindelwald, which is that she doesn't know how to write a screenplay. She knows how to write a novel. Crimes of Grindelwald feels like a novel put to screen rather than a screenplay. So I'm hoping that with Steve Cloves being there, he's kind of helping her put it into a screenplay format. That's the only thing that I see that this has over the last one. But after, if this one is as bad as, or is, or worse than the last one, I'm going to say they need to just stop this series. Moving on to the next trailer, which is the unbearable weight of massive talent. This is a weird movie. <laughs> I actually like it. it's the perfect Nick Cage movie. I just loved the scene in the trailer where they're trying to climb over the wall. Yeah, <laughs> he's like you're too heavy. I love Nick Cage. I love how crazy he could be. But like, if it, if it, it's an action movie, a comedy action movie, right? When I think of Nick Cage, I don't think action. Like you know, I think I'm more. sorry. What Face Off, Con Air, National Treasure, National yeah. Treasure Two? Old Nick Cage. Yes, you're absolutely right. When I think of Nick Cage now, I think. I don't think of action at all. Like wild, like crazy, crazy unexpected movie. stuff. Unexpected, wild stuff like that. Not that this movie won't work or it's a dumb idea. I think it's a great idea. But I don't know why Nick Cage would need to get paid a million dollars to go to a party. But I think it's funny because didn't he get into some serious debt in his life because he couldn't stop spending money, which is why he accepts every role he possibly can? <laughs> is, that, is that true? I think that's what he said. That would make sense. I think the re he said the reason he just accepts every role he can, which he was doing for a long time, is because he needs to get paid to pay off this massive debt. Which is funny because in the trailer he's like, "Wow, is that supposed to be me? That's horrific. I'll give you twenty thousand for it." <laughs> like it just it's making making fun of his inability to control his money, and the fact that he is willing to go to this random person's party for a million dollars. I think that's why is because he's supposed to be in massive debt. That makes sense. 
moving on to a very strange, interesting movie. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I just, every time I hear multiverse now, I'm all about Marvel, but. Oh, that's right. It is multiverse based. I mean, it's not going to be the same kind of. I mean, obviously, you never know. It has Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis in it. So that right there is enough for me to want to see it. But I saw Jamie Lee Curtis doing like fighting moves. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. It looks funny and it looks wacky and it looks incredibly creative and it looks visually interesting. I shouldn't be surprised because it's directed by what they call it a film by Daniels. It's directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel. Sh- I don't ever know how to say his name. Shinert, Skynert. I don't know. Shinert. I have no idea. But these guys directed one of my favorite movies of the past five years. Wait, when did it come out? When did it come uh, out? You're talking about uh, Swiss Army Man, right? Swiss Army Man. Yeah. yeah. I love Swiss Army Man. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. I love that movie. It's such a weird movie. The weirdest movie of all time. And the best, in the best way. Right. And when you when you watch the trailer for that movie, you're like, this seems weird as shit. What the hell is this? But when you watch the movie, even though it's weird as shit, it doesn't feel weird within the context of the movie, if that makes sense. Like as you're watching it, you don't feel like what you're watching is weird. I think that was like my third favorite movie of that year or something like that. Moving on to the next trailer, which is The Northman, directed by the I'll say infamous Robert Eggers. I know you are a big fan, or I'm pretty sure you're a big fan of The Witch. Yes. And then, of course, there's The Lighthouse. Uh, Here's my quick review of The Lighthouse. From every technical aspect, cinematography, sound design, uh, acting, production design. Costume and makeup. Costumes, right. It is a masterpiece. Yes. From a story standpoint, I just didn't like it. I can appreciate it, again, from a filmmaking standpoint, the work that went into it, and the talent behind it. I just couldn't get into the movie. I gave it like a six-point something. Yeah, I liked it a little bit more than that, but I get what you're saying. With all that said, me not liking really either of Robert Eggers' first two movies, The Northman looks really good. It looks amazing, actually, but you know, I think all his movies look amazing. Well, it feels very out of character for him, maybe. Although, I guess not, because The Witch and The Lighthouse are two very different movies. Yeah. I don't know. This just feels very more... It feels more straightforward, kind of typical ABC plot kind of movie, rather than abstract stuff. I mean, there's a a couple of shots in the trailer that you can tell are going to be just kind of weird and, and wacky. But it's it just it feels like a revenge tale, like the kids saying, um, "What does he say? I will, I will find you, brother. I will avenge you, mother. I will well, kill you, father, or something like that." No, he said, "I will." Uh, he definitely says, "I will, I will avenge you, father. I will protect you, mother, and I will kill you to whoever the guy, whoever's the bad uncle, guy. uncle, uncle." Is that what we say? Uncle? Yeah, I think it's okay. uncle. Yeah, and it's just such a cool idea of just the kid. He sa- says it. Oh, it's like his mantra. It's right. kind of like, uh, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> yes. like, that's kind of what it feels like, but in a more, much more serious, dramatic sense. Yeah. Moving on to the last trailer that we're going to talk about that came out in December. And we kind of already talked about this in our last podcast, but that is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Last time we talked about this, we had only seen it one time in theaters when right. it showed after uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Now that it's online, I'm sure you've seen it a couple more times. Yes. So is there anything you wanted to add that we didn't get to talk about last time? Uh, No. Um, trailer-wise, it's very like basic. I mean, what it should be, it's a teaser. I do have one thing that I wanted to add that I noticed in the trailer. So I have this theory after seeing No Way Home. Minor, 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 minor spoiler for Spider-Man No Way Home. Really has no bearing on anything. It's just one small throwaway line. Wong says that he's the Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange 
got snapped away. So he was gone for five years. So there had to be a Sorcerer Supreme. So Wong got it on a technicality. But we all know that Doctor Strange at some point is going to be the Sorcerer Supreme. He has to be, right? Or are they just going to keep Wong as a Sorcerer no, Supreme? He he better be. <laughs> like it's well, Doctor Strange. How would they make Doctor Strange the Sorcerer Supreme? Are you saying that Wong can't just give it to him? No. Relinquish his Sorcerer Supreme? I guess not, right? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a this is where we need John back because I'm not an expert. Yeah. But my theory is that Wong is going to die in this movie. Oh, I, I wouldn't like that. There is a very quick shot towards the beginning of the trailer of Wong all beat up and like behind him, there's like rubble and fire maybe. And he's bound. His arms are out and he's suspended and his, his wrists are bound by what looks like Wanda's magic. Hmm. It's like red. There's red magic around his wrists. So... Is Wanda going to kill Wong? I don't know. But I still think I remember hearing that Wanda was the villain of this movie. So I'm sticking to that. So you're still sticking to her being the main villain or a villain? Maybe the majority of the story, she's not the villain. But kind of at some point, there's a turn. And it's like, oh, damn it. Now she's bad, too. (laughs) If there's a turn, I hope it's not like like a quick second thing, you know? No, 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 no. I'm sure it will be built okay. to whole act wise. Yeah. Sorry. Like she, she's probably, I'm again, this is just a, a wild theory that I literally just thought of right now. So it's absolutely not going to happen, but she wants her kids. Her kids don't exist in her world. Maybe she wants to pull her kids from another universe. And Dr. Strange says, no, you absolutely can't do that. And she's like, well, guess what? You're not stopping me. I don't know. Just a theory. I, and I hope you're right, because I would love to see Wanda and Doctor Strange just go head to head. All right. Quick uh, over under 50%. Spider-Man is in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh, over under 50%? I'll say over. Yeah. Okay. I say under. Deshaun, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you know what time it is? Is it game time? It's time to check the gate. Check the gate. Checking the gate. Checking it. Checking the gate, please. Check the gate. Got it? Good. Checking the gate. Checking the gate. Checking the gate. Right, we've got it. Check the gate. All right, I'll go first. So my check the gate movie is Elevator. Now, have you ever seen this movie? No. Well, I'll ask you this. Have you ever seen Devil? Yeah. Okay. Devil and Elevator were made, if not the same year, the year after each other. Devil came out in, I think, 2010, and Elevator came out in 2011. Two movies about a bunch of random strangers being stuck in an elevator together. Obviously, Devil dealt with the Devil. Elevator. I just looked up Elevator release date, and it's giving me the Flo Rida song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'll read the synopsis. Nine Wall Street partygoers become stranded in an elevator, and one of them has a bomb. Oh. The other eight people will do anything it takes to survive while their civility and mortality disintegrates I, i'm a fan of movies that take place in one location or me confined spaces like buried with um ryan reynolds yeah like, 12 angry yes exactly loving movies could do that and this movie is so it has some of the funniest moments that you normally wouldn't think were funny in the and under any other circumstance other than being trapped in the elevator together with strangers that you don't know don't like and it works well Check it out. All right. I'm adding it to my list. It sounds interesting. It sounds like a like a Hitchcock movie. I mean, that I shouldn't say it sounds like a Hitchcock movie. It sounds like the famous Hitchcock theory. His theory is that suspense is much better than surprise. Yes. So you can have two people sitting at a table having tea and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then boom, a bomb goes off. Your, your audience is shocked for three seconds or... You can have two people sitting at a table having tea and the camera pans down and there's a bomb under the table. Now your audience is in suspense. And instead of the surprise for three seconds, now they're in suspense for the entire conversation. Is the bomb going to go off? Is it not going to go off? Are they going to get out of there? So that's what it reminds me of. Literally just that. It, it has that like kind of factor with survival mixed in with it which i love too like i love survival movies check it out 
I absolutely will. All right. So my recommendation is really just another podcast. I am a massive fan of The Office. The Office, to me, is the greatest show that has ever existed in all of television. Now, take that with a grain of salt because I don't watch that much television. To me, of the shows that I've seen, The Office is far and away the best television show on TV. It's not the funniest. To me, the funniest television show on on TV is Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but when you take everything, story, characters, uh, romance, and heart, and poignant moments, and comedy, and all that stuff wrapped up into one thing, The Office does it better than anything I've ever seen. So uh, I've been listening to a podcast by Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, and Angela Kinsey, who plays Angela. It's called Office Ladies. Have you ever heard of this podcast? It's advertised everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw an advertisement for it. For it. Yeah. For whatever reason, I never felt the urge to go and listen to it. But I think it was, I forget, I think it was my sister who said that she started listening to it. And I was like, you know, I I should, I've been meaning to check it out. I should listen to it. And then I couldn't stop listening to it. So basically what they do is it's usually like 30 to 60 minutes long. And they they just give their input on the episode. They they talk about, they go through the entire episode. They have the script, you know, the original script with them that they shot with. They have people on like other actors, writers, directors, whatever on there to talk about it. They say like, oh, this moment was actually improv. This moment was actually in the script, believe it or not. And this, I remember when this happened, this happened. Like they just give very interesting input from people that were there making the show. So for people that are diehard Office fans like I am, it's a real treat. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode of Mics and Movies. Thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of stuff coming soon, including our top 10 movies of 2021 and our most anticipated movies of 2022. So look out for those episodes in the coming weeks. You can find us on any podcasting platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends and family. We're also on Instagram at Mike's and Movies Podcasts, so follow us over there. Again, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Farewell. Farewell.